are underway here at the Dummy Run Podcast, a Minnesota United-leaning MLS podcast that may mention the USL from time to time. I'm Alex Kraken. He's Grant Hershberger. After a break over the 4th of July, we are back. We've got three matches to talk about. Two of them went well. One of them we don't need to talk about. Overall, Grant, how are you feeling? I'm feeling conflicted. I'm feeling <laughs> confused. I'm feeling lost in the proverbial sauce. I, I don't know how to feel, right? We had a loss that... I guess Alex decided for everybody that we didn't want to talk about. Um, and then two wins that were almost carbon copies of each other in the level of early dominance and late clown car failure. So I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know how to feel about any of this. Alex, do you, how have you processed this? Have you I mean, really, they were gone on... out to your little cottage hermitage and just sat looking over the water and, and meditated over it? Mm-hmm. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts? No, uh, really, you know, they were all kind of almost the same. Uh, you know, in at Miami, we were up in the 86th minute, uh, one goal to nil, and then they scored in the 87th and 90th. So that one we just kind of did fully let get away from us, and the other two we tried our hardest. So it's hard to feel like super positive, but as people who pride themselves on being the Positive Spin podcast... I do feel pretty good about it. Some things seem to be clicking a little better. You know, Amaria scoring, Ray's looking hot. Uh, so it is it is a conflicted feeling where we sit right now. We're still outside the playoff picture, if I'm remembering correctly, but we definitely look to be a different team. And I think I saw a stat, something about our next five are against out of the playoff teams. Mm-hmm. I, I think, well, let's just, I'm going to address one thing really quickly. I don't know if we're the positive spin podcast. I, and we talked about it last time. I mean, it's probably just us or Pod on You Loons being the, the spin zone. Um, but also, we, and we being you and I, and also the guys at Pod on You Loons, are also more right. So, you know, it is what it is, right? Maybe things aren't as dire as they constantly seem. There's criticisms to be had, absolutely. But um, I believe. Gosh, I don't remember who posted this, but somebody posted this on Twitter where it was like, we have only played teams, or at least a big stretch of our recent games were against teams that were in the playoffs uh, currently. And so we've been playing good teams on the road. That sucks. That's really difficult. Um, And we're going to play some not as good teams, and I hope we beat up on them. I mean, the first half against LA Galaxy and Real Salt Lake, both teams who are very solid this year, were fantastic. I mean, we just dominated them. Um, Inter-Miami, super confusing. Not great. Do we want to talk about this? I know you decided you didn't, but... Well, I mean, it's, you know, who knows how far back you want to go back. But uh, Miami is whatever. It's... Well, let's, let's, let's let our viewers or our listeners weigh in. So vote now. Okay, this the votes have come in, things. and yeah, Inter-Miami has been nixed. We're not going to talk about yeah. it. You voted. Yeah, we got zero votes there. Uh, yeah. We also haven't set up that system yet, so that might be why, but uh, yeah. whatever. No, I don't know. I mean, whatever. It, going down to Miami is always weird. It was like late, and I'm sure it was very hot and muggy there. They are like, they uh, theoretically are a good team, right? Like, even though they're not maybe doing well, like they have good pieces that should be playing better. It, whatever. It sucks. Um, but it, it didn't necessarily, it's one of those games, I don't know, I didn't feel too terribly, you know, dramatic coming out of it, because those things happen on the road, they shouldn't, but they do from time to time. 
Um, but yeah, the whole thing with, with coming out in the first half and playing very strongly and then just steadily going downhill until you just come skidding across the finish line, hopefully still in the lead, is getting a bit discouraging. And I mean, we do have, you know, injuries and people out. You know, we had, you know, Rosales out on our red card and obviously Dotson's hurt and Ariaga's been hurt. So like in the LA, you know, in the Real Salt Lake game, maybe some of those things are a little bit more understandable. I guess you could say kind of the same thing for the Galaxy game. But overall, well, right away this... in, in the Galaxy game, you know, we're like three minutes in and Curvin Ariaga gets an ankle injury, which um, all injuries considered, I'm really thankful it was a sprain and not something worse because some people were saying Achilles. Um, I didn't think it looked like an Achilles injury, but I was worried that maybe he had hyperextended his knee or something. I mean, just it did not look good um, right away. And so that was like, what, three minutes in that we lost Curvin Ariaga. So like already we're dipping into the depth right away with that LA Galaxy game. Yeah, I thought it was his Achilles. That was very early on in the game. I'm trying to see if I can look at the uh, sub. Yeah, the fifth minute, uh, Rosales came in. So that was very early, and that obviously hurt us. But yeah, let's maybe let's just start with the, the, the Galaxy game. We're kind of wandering here. Um, Do we ever not wander? <laughs> at the Galaxy on a Wednesday night, right? This is a Wednesday night game. Um, you know, Ariaga goes down injured early, looking very bleak. Um, I thought it was his Achilles, just the way he landed and the way he kind of was, it, you know, one of those things like when he first landed, it looked like he was like confused as to what hurt, which I just kind of, I don't know. I always just like associate with Achilles. I don't know why. Um, ninth minute. Well, you know, you have an Achilles professional on the line right now. So who's that? Me. Why is that? You didn't know I ruptured my Achilles. Oh, okay. So what did it feel like when you did that? Well, all right. Were you confused? If you do not like um, conversations of pain, uh, I would skip forward about a minute 45 here. Oh, with you telling the story, it's going to be more like It's probably two minutes minutes. 36. Yeah, there we go. Um, Okay, so I was playing, you can all guess it, lacrosse, and... um, you know, went from a, a dead stop to a full sprint. And the first thing you know about Achilles injuries is that um, anyone who calls them Achilles should get a wedgie. The second thing you know about Achilles injuries is that um, you hear it. So I actually had people surrounding me going, was that sound your leg? Because what it sounds like is two very firm pieces of plastic being slapped together. It's a loud sound super loud you can hear it which was one of the worst parts what's interesting alex is that it is momentarily the worst pain you've ever felt in your life for like a second one second and then it goes away you actually don't feel anything after that yeah um so what it feels like more is an impact what Mm. i thought happened was and this won't track with most of you but i'm just going to go ahead and power through anyways because that's how i do it um I was on the face-off wing. I was going to go run for the ball. And so I went from a dead stop to a sprint. There's a person right next to me also competing for the ball. I thought the person had wound up and just baseball swung at my leg. It feels like an impact. Not like you would think a tear feels like. It feels like somebody punches you with a baseball bat. You know, so not punches, but you get it. Um, And then I got up and my leg was just limp. Like it just flip-flops around, right? 
you know it right away. It, there's no question that it's a Achilles rupture. You hear it, you see it. Um, some of you guys who are basketball fans will remember a couple years back, Kevin Durant um, rupturing his Achilles in the NBA Finals, and you could see it happen in slow motion, which was right after I did mine. So that was like traumatic to see that. My friends are like, oh, that's what happened to you. And I was like, don't show me. Uh, but I still watched it. Anyways, when I saw Curvin Ariaga fall, I didn't assume Achilles only because what would have triggered it would have been landing and overcompensating like on your tippy toes. You know what I'm saying? You have to activate that calf muscle for the Achilles to be ruptured. So when he landed on his leg, pretty straight legged, I assumed that that probably wasn't it. You get Achilles hmm. injuries more by pushing off. You know, basketball, it happens a lot. Soccer, lacrosse. See, it's funny. Whatever. All the things that you're saying, why you didn't think, those are, like, I thought that those things did happen. Like, I felt like he kind of came down weird, like, on his, like, on the balls of his feet. And maybe that, like, it, I, I thought he did. And then to your point, and maybe this is where I got that idea from you telling me the story before. Because it does actually sound familiar now. He, like came down and, like, looked around right away. Like, he thought someone, like, had stepped on him or something. Mm -hmm. um, and he said the same thing. He said he thought it was an Achilles. So I wasn't totally I no, wasn't I mean, on it, an island. I'm not a medical professional. I'm just speaking from personal anecdotes and uh, my own trauma to past. Um, <laughs> so it is what it is, right? Either way, glad to hear it's just an ankle. It was sounds yes. like it's, it's, like, rolled pretty good, but not even, like, broken. So How much time do you think that was? Two minutes? I, I actually, I wish I had checked. I should have really That would have been funny. We'll, you should have put we'll the have timer to, on. Yeah, we'll have to go back and check that. Um, so that's the fifth minute. Um, Emmanuel Renoso scores a banger in the ninth minute um, off of his left, I believe, right? Wouldn't that have been his left? Because I curled in uh, to the far corner. Um, great from him. Been, been, and this kind of rolls into the next game as well, which we can talk about in a minute. Uh, but then more importantly, 25th minute is the Kevin Cabral red card. He, uh, ding, shot comes in, it bounces off of Dane, and he, like, runs out to collect it again. Cabral comes in and, like, jumps over him, and in my opinion, 110% leaves one foot dangling. Maybe not with the intention of, like, kicking Dane St. Clair in the face and breaking his nose, but definitely in an effort to make him uncomfortable and for the next time that play comes around to make him think twice about diving out so boldly in my opinion i had yep. no problem with the red card even actually before i even saw that they gave a red card i was telling my fiance like that kind of seems like a red to me that's just you don't that's not a natural movement but obviously there's a lot of people who disagree with that especially on the la side grant what's your take of that situation so you know gonna go ahead and put the disclaimer out there i get that we're a minnesota united leaning podcast but Here's what I'm going to say. In, in neutral terms, a neutral perspective, I think it was an orange card that does not surprise me that it would be red. And here's the reasons why. Number one, you want to make an example of that specific type of situation. Now, when I say make an example, it's not like PRO referees are all that consistent. So that's the unfortunate part is who knows if it'll actually be taken as like the example of what should happen. Um, but frequently, you know, there will be 50-50 balls in a soccer game, for sure. In this situation, it wasn't exactly 50-50. The ball had hit Dane, I don't know if it was in the chest or arms, but it had bounced out a little bit, 
Dane very much had the ball. I, I know Kevin Cabral was running, and so I understand that to change direction and speed, that is difficult on a full tilt. That being said, if the goalie already is kind of going on top of the ball, I'm okay if you want to try to challenge for it, but you have to have an exit plan one way or another. And your exit plan has to include, all right, well, if I'm going to go straight at him, I need to be able to lift my legs all the way up. The precedent you set by allowing that to be a yellow is that if there's a 50-50 ball early in the game, you can go ahead and, I'm doing air quotes here, brush the goalkeeper in the head with your foot early in the game, like you're saying, make him uncomfortable, and not get a red card for it. And if you're trying to protect players, keep an eye out for their health, etc., it is my opinion that if this is not a 50-50 ball, Dane's already got it, you're sprinting, you either have to really get your legs up or you have to go around him. You know, um, just in the last game, Franco Fragapane ran at the goalkeeper and then pulled back because he didn't have the advantage. Now, he wasn't running with as much momentum, but the point being is he made the decision, I can't get any closer, I just saw what happened to Kevin Krabal. So um, I'm not surprised it's a red. If you're asking me, should it be a red? I think you have to make that a red because if it's a yellow, the precedent is... All right, you get one free, Mm -hmm. air quotes here, scrape of the goalkeeper if he goes face first. And we all know that goalkeepers get a little extra protection. That's just what it is. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that's my thoughts on it. I'm not surprised it's a red. I, non-Loons fan opinion, I'm not, uh, I think it's good that that's a red. You have to protect players, especially vulnerable players who are throwing their faces at foot level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think if it had been a yellow card, I wouldn't be like up in arms about it. But I definitely think it's a fair red because to your point, I don't think it was it wasn't a 50 50 ball like Dane was getting there. And when you watch the way he jumps, he jumps, the one foot comes up and the second foot like starts to come up and then just stops and like kind of hangs there. And I mean, to my point, like purposefully like limp or like purposely soft, right? Like it didn't look like he just had like a trailing leg that like he forgot or like misjudged how high it was and it hit Dane in the head. Like it was purposefully placed there not to hurt Dane, but to be, to kind of ruffle his feathers, right? And again, when it's not a 50-50 ball, I don't think you should necessarily let that be part of the game. Exactly. You set a precedent and that's not a precedent we want to set. So that's the 25th minute, and they're already a man down. Um, Franco Fragapane scores a great half volley off of an, another early Kamal Lawrence cross, which is something that I think I've already talked about before that I really like that he brought to this team. I felt like before that we had a lot of like run down to the end line, crossed in, run down to the end, and like I feel like Lawrence from the minute he came in has been like just crossing it earlier. And it's really changed the way the ball comes in and really changed the way that we put pressure on the back line. And Mm -hmm. it was a fantastic finish from Franco Fragapane, who both in this game and I think into the RSL game had like many more missed opportunities that were significantly easier. But he looks more charged up. You know, Fragapane, I don't know what happened. I don't know what caused the slump. I don't know what got him out of the slump. But he was kind of in a slump, and mm-hmm. now he's kind of out of the slump. And mm-hmm. so many things, you know, I think us as sports fans, we forget that these are human beings who have 
various things going on in their life, whether it's personal, physical, mental, whatever, where, you know, things happen. And, and we saw a incredible version of Fragapane his first year with us. The start of this year, he wasn't super inspiring. Mm-hmm. These last two games, he's... And honestly, I think, unless I'm misremembering, he looked better in the Inter-Miami game, even though he wasn't, mm. you know, doing great. But he looked improved in the Miami game, and then I think he looked good in the Salt Lake and Galaxy game. And, you know, that's great. We, we really need that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he definitely seems to be coming around... And bringing a lot more to the table than he was, he still has these kind of inexcusable, not inexcusable, inexplicable maybe moments that are just like, what was that? I think it was this game when he had a chance to close out the game, uh, or maybe it was the no, I think it was the the Galaxy game, and running down the field and just like kind of kicked, like passed it to the goalie, and and he opened his hips like very early. It was obviously what he was going to do, and just kind of passed it to the goalie. And almost ended up, you know, costing us the game because that was our chance to put it away. Uh, maybe yeah. costing us the game is a hard is a, is not the way to say that, um, but a definite missed opportunity. But yeah, then there are some things that are are looking much better, and there's much more of that like just aggression and like fury around the net that I think we saw before he came and early on when he showed up. Um, mm-hmm. So that's good to see again. And then just a quick six minutes later. Uh, Reynoso gets his second off of a dynamite assist from Bongi. Um, and we go into halftime 3 0 up. Uh, you pointed out on Twitter that Bongi is our assist leader. Is that still correct? It is now at this point um, a tie between him and Reynoso. But not a bad place to be when Reynoso is starting every game and Bongi's a sub. So, yeah, yeah he's now tied that. for most assists on the Loons. He, this last game against Salt Lake and also the LA Galaxy game, he is so close to mm-hmm. a goal. Bongi. I mean, just like, I think, it, which game was it where he got that volley? I th- I think it was uh, against Real Salt Lake. Oh my gosh, that should have been a goal. That should have been a goal. That was dynamite. Yeah. Really good strike on the ball. Great placement by him. Good positioning. I mean, he's putting the game together, and that's the thing I think I'm the most excited about. Um, Bongo Kule Fangwane, which wow. I think I'm saying it correct. Nice, yeah. I think so too. I've been, been practicing it. Is that you can actually kind of see him getting better each game. Like, you can see him being more structured on the ball. You can see him being more intentional about some of his runs. Um, he's less of a freestylist, although he has creativity that I don't think we have with other players. Um I'm pumped about him. I I really do think that was such a good pickup, and he will continue to be a good player. You can tell that he just creates when he's out there. Even if he's not scoring the goals, he's creating. Yeah, I mean, it has to just be a matter of time, right? Like, he's he's in all the right spots. He's I mean, and it's nice to see, despite being frustrated and being so close, he's not just, like, firing every time he gets a chance. I mean, like, that pass to Reynoso was kind of like make the extra pass type of movement and it was ended up being just a, a layup for, for Reynoso. So, so great from him. It's, you know, he's a, he's a huge piece for us. It's almost unfortunate he's not, uh, doesn't have a place in the starting lineup. But again, I think that just goes back to kind of like what we talked about previously. It's just like shifting your expectation of like what the, the second player or the first player off the bench should look like. 
Um, and he is definitely someone who is going to get starts. Maybe he's even, you know, I'm sure vying for a starting position, obviously, and pushing the whole team forward. Bongi is somebody who has definitely impressed us in his limited roles. I've seen a few people asking or tweeting or messaging or whatever. Um, does he deserve to start? Alex, do you have an opinion? Do you have a thought? Well, I mean, you know, that question is, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, right? Like, yeah, he deserves to start. Like, he's doing great, but, like, you don't always get what you deserve in life and especially in sport. Like, Robin Lude also deserves to start. You know, Franco Fragapane also deserves to start. So, like, which one of them is most deserving to start? Uh, I, I honestly don't even know that I could say. I think that Bongi definitely, like, is still young and is still raw and, like, He's making the most of his moments, but like has never been put, you know, since that one game when he started and was like clearly out of his element. I think we tried to start him on like the left side or something weird. Like he hasn't had a moment that I also, I came away from like, oh man, I hope that didn't like, you know, rock the boat too much. So I'm really happy with him getting chances here and there, you know, some starts, some coming at a 60th minute. He's making an impact. If some guy needs a rest, he definitely, and like, let's just keep building that momentum. So that's kind of more my yeah. point of view versus like, does he deserve to start? Does Robin deserve to start? Uh, I feel like I'm happy with what we're getting from him in this situation, and I don't feel like it's putting him in a position where he's likely to fail. Mm-hmm. I think that I would echo pretty much everything you just said. I think he's really got a good situation right now. He can continue to learn, grow, develop, etc. And then we're continuing to build a consistency with Lude and Fragapane on mm-hmm. the wings. And so um, I think he's an excellent substitution and i think he will eventually be a very high level mls player in my personal opinion and i mean that complimentary i I think mls is better than people expect and i think bongi will be a high level mls player Uh, but i don't think we need to force him into a starting role just yet i think he's got moments where it makes a lot of sense for him to come in at uh you know the 60th minute like you're saying another player who's been you know, under the microscope for a little bit, and then also now on the pedestal, the good pedestal, is Reynoso. I know a lot of people earlier in the year were talking about, you know, Reynoso is, um, you know, forcing too many things. He's doing things that, you know, are wasteful with the ball. After these last two games, Alex, what, what do we think of Mr. Emmanuel Reynoso? I mean, I kind of talked about it when when I talked about his first goal. Is like We always say that he's not a scoring threat, or at least he hasn't been since maybe that playoff run. And even then, that was mostly on free kicks, right? And I kind of think that I thought that that just wasn't his bag. And to an extent, I still think it's not. But when he scored that two goals in the Galaxy game, I believe it was after that comment. And again, I'm getting my games kind of confused because it's been like Father's Day and then like two basically around the 4th of July. So I've done a lot of phone watching recently. But there was a comment he made around like, everyone tells me to shoot. And now I think I'll just start listening to them. And I think that was after his first goal because that was the most like pretty of the four that he scored. And so I think I'm all for that, you know? I'm all for almost everyone just shooting. I've, I've talked a lot about how I feel like our play just gets so small until we're all like, we have like three guys inside the six yard box. 
then I would love people to either just start, you know, again, talking about Kamara Lawrence crossing it earlier, talking about Reynoso taking chances more, talking about Amarillo shooting more. I want to see those things more, and I'm definitely all for Ray taking more chances, especially when you know that he can do it, right? Both mm-hmm. these goals, I think, were, were very solid finishes. You know, the first one is a, is, a, is a great goal. The second one, he did well to, you know, keep it down. He, he didn't have to do a lot to beat the goalie, but he still had to, like, not shoot it directly at him, those things. So it's not vastly different than what we've been seeing from him. I think he's just finally like, I should just do this, and I do have the skills to do this. And I think once now he's doing it and he's seeing success and he's having fun, I'm hopeful that just keeps rolling and rolling. I agree. I think the confidence is coming back. And I think for as much risk as you take centering your team around a single player, the benefit of when Reynoso is clicking, he's really clicking. I mean, he just he looks invigorated. Stuff is changing. Things are things are looking better. Um so I'm I'm about it. I think obviously it's between him and maybe Dane St. Clair of being our two most important players. So no. Well, and previously we said that Dane St. Clair is probably the only all-star on the team right now. Um, and we, we questioned Reynoso, right? Is it is it around? I, I'll, is it I in, will go on the record saying I, I verbally questioned his inclusion in the all-star game. Because it's, and I think it's a question of, is it is it who's an elite player? Or is it if you're making an all-star lineup, who gets to be on it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, the, I mean, we know the answer is if you're creating an all-star lineup, who gets to be on it? Because that's how MLS does it. And I don't, I did not at the time feel like he could beat out the other number 10s in the league. I still am not 100% sure. I forget how many of each position they bring, like three or maybe four. I don't know. Uh, but I definitely think he is obviously showing that he does have that in his game. And we already know what he can do in terms of passing. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, if he, if he adds those goal moments, which he has. I mean, he really has done a great, great job there. Um, yeah, I'm I'm pumped to see what his future is because I think he he is a player who has not, in my opinion, reached his ceiling yet. Mm. He still has potential to improve. He's only 26, which That's, is crazy. I mean, to think yeah, about. it's crazy. He's, uh, I think just barely older than Hassani Dotson, which like when you think of Reynoso, I think of him as like almost 30. Yeah, um, I would have said like 28 if you had yeah. if I hadn't. Yeah. No, 26. So huh? like, awesome. Yep. Um. So well, well, that was that was half, right? Three nil at half. They come out, they get one on a penalty kick in the 60th minute. Um, fair penalty, I think. I think that's a fair penalty. I'm trying to remember which one that it was. It was trap sweeping the leg. Oh, the guy, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just. Um. Sure. Whatever. They make you know three more subs in around the 70th minute. Um, Abu Dinladi comes in for Emmanuel Reynoso in the 75th minute, which. I guess I'm okay with in terms of taking Ranier and also off. Abud and Lottie, man, he has been, I mean, coming in, I think that when we signed Abud and Lottie, a lot of people said like, oh, this is our next striker. And I think you and I were early on saying like, okay, that's obviously now what's happening. Like basically took a flyer on him. He, we know he has the skills. Let's see what happens. I was expecting a much different Abud and Lottie than we've seen. Um, and I mean, this was, you know, he hadn't played, he got in one minute in into Miami, and then one minute, or got nine minutes in NYCFC, and then a couple, you know, handful. He has not been playing much, and when he has played, it hasn't looked great, 
Where are you? I was about at? to ask what what was the Abu Dunladi you were expecting to see. Uh, you know, I I don't even really know. I don't know that it was like I was expecting to see him. I think I knew. Listen, rookie year there was a great player in there. He got injured, and then the way I remember it, he got like like he had mental issues around the fear of being injured. Yeah, and that led to either more injuries or more you know perceived injuries. He bounced around the league a bit, and I think he saw some success in Nashville, and I was excited to, like... I guess he didn't bounce around the league. He went to Nashville. He was there for a bit. Uh, it was just one bounce. Uh, and, like, I feel like he, like, towards the end there, it was kind of like, okay, maybe, like, we're starting to take steps in the right direction, if nothing else. And I was hopeful that coming back here, where it all started, not being asked to play a big role, like, we could start to see strides in the right direction. But, man, when he's out there, it's just I just don't feel like I... I I think the things that he's doing aren't very productive, and maybe that's just the position he's being put in at those at that time in the game. But it just doesn't really feel. Some of my excitement has worn off as to what he may be, and I feel more confident that this is just kind of what he is. I, I am exactly in the same boat, which <laughs> is unsurprising because we started a podcast because we agree, uh, not because we disagree. But I also think. I just don't want to see him at winger anymore. I, yeah. I really don't think he provides any effort defensively at all, which is probably, for me, I absolutely understand, like, you know, you're a starter and you're trying to conserve a little bit of energy in certain moments. Okay, I get it. But, like, you're coming on with nine minutes left. You better chase down uh, mm-hmm. a, a loose ball. Like, you need to chase that's it down. That's basically your only role right now. That's your only you just role. just run is you need to possess the ball. If you lose it, go get it back. It's super frustrating that for whatever reason, he just doesn't think he needs to do anything defensively. And I'm not trying to like, you know, assassinate his character here, but Mm -hmm. like you see it over and over and over again, where he does not do anything defensively to the point where like, it's getting a little ridiculous. Right. Um, I don't know why, Aziel Jackson can't get a start yeah, on the way. That's like, a different yeah. Just give me give me something else, right? right? Anything else. We got Justin McMaster, we got Nico Hansen. Anyone who will track back because I think I'm gonna give Heath a half compliment and a half criticism. I think Heath has done better of okay, we're up by a few goals. We can't just put only defensive players in. We gotta put some offensive players who can continue to press the ball forward. And, you know, possess the ball on the opponent's side of the field. Heath's downside is that he continues to play Dunlady, who's just an absolute liability defensively. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really does Which is not... weird, because he's not like a hothead. He's like, he seems like a good guy. Like, he wants to be a team player. Does he just, like, not understand? Does he just, like, is there just that aspect of the game he just hasn't fully grasped and, like, doesn't understand where he need. I mean, I forget which game it was, but there was a point where like Boxall and Trap or something were just like screaming at him after they put out a fire. Like you mm-hmm. have to stop letting that guy get that much space, or you can't let him. You have to track back. Whatever the situation was, they were just like screaming at him. And I just don't. You don't see Abu Dunladi as like a, I'm not doing it. It's not my role. Someone else has got to do it. You know, whatever. Yada yada yada. So is it just that he just can't add that part to his game? Yeah, I wonder, I wonder if 
and this is 100% speculative, but I wonder if to some degree he is a little bit hesitant to engage physically because of mm-hmm. his prior injuries. Yeah. And so to take the ball away, you're going to go have to put your hip on somebody. You're going to have to move your knees, move your legs in in more aggressive physical senses than you would maybe just sprinting straight forward, straight back. And so I don't know if that's part of it, if it's the mental thing of he's afraid to go play defense and maybe re-injure himself. I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt here because, you know, best case scenario, he's afraid. Worst case scenario, he's just lazy, which if he's lazy, we got to stop playing him. There are people... I think Nico Hansen has been screaming for a start at this point. Mm-hmm. Not a start, excuse me, a, an appearance yeah. as a sub. Well, I think he was getting close, and then he hurt himself in the yeah. Open Cup game. And it sounds like he is at least back doing some training this week, so that's good because he's been looking looking great in the on the two team. Obviously, I mean maybe obviously, but then even in that Open Cup game, he was you know I think he's playing very well. So I would think that yeah, I, we know that uh, the Heath has a soft spot for. Dunlady, but you know, looking at playing time, it would seem even some of that is beginning to wear off. Um, but I mean, there's somewhere somewhere in there. There's still a lot of skill, so I really do hope that he can he can sort it out. Um, you know, then the 93rd minute, 90th minute plus three, they score their second, um, and then in the 94th minute, Joseph Rosales gets his first red card. At the final whistle, Douglas Costa elbows Joseph Rosales pretty clearly in the head. And Rosales like, goes down at first, making sure the, the ref saw contact. And then, you know, kind of a, a mini explosion in the mind. And he, like, gets up and goes and pushes a co- Douglas Costa. I always want to say Acosta, just Costa. Getting him a second yellow, I believe, which I actually thought it was a well, red. Well, he did just, accost him. So. Yeah, there you go. A hey, second oh. yellow getting him a red. Uh, Douglas Costa did end up getting a straight red after they reviewed it, like well after the game had already wrapped up. Um, not great from, a, but I mean, not necessarily surprising from you know a kid like they're gonna do that. They're gonna get overheated, and you know he's only 21 years old, um, make a mistake. But otherwise, a very strong game from him up to that point. Um, but especially knowing that we were without Dotson and Ariaga, that was not the time for him to do that. Yeah, I think it's really unfortunate. But I have a hard time criticizing Rosales because I think in the heat of the moment, it's easy to be like, from us viewers' perspective, be like, oh, don't do it because next game we're going to need you. Well, yeah, right? That's not what he's thinking. Some dude just elbowed him in the back of the head as the game was ending for no reason. Mm -hmm. It was just such a dumb elbow for... I don't know if there was something that happened earlier that, like, made Douglas Costa hate Rosales for some reason or, like, didn't like him. I don't know. I don't get it. But that was a clear red. It was such a stupid foul by Costa. And then Rosales reacts right away, and it's like, yeah, I don't approve of it, but, like, I can't really say, honestly, that I would have done anything differently. We have hindsight, and, yes, in hindsight, you wouldn't have done it, but probably neither would have Rosales Mm -hmm. in momentary instinct yeah i would have shoved a guy if he elbows me in the head like right no thanks yeah. man i feel like he probably and, I, and honestly i still think he probably could have gotten off without a yellow there like clearly the guy elbowed him he didn't like go over and punch him like whatever a little it shoving wasn't that bad of a shove i didn't think it was something that they needed to get involved in um you know whatever it's a second yellow so i guess 
you know, it wasn't uh, obviously it's not like a straight red or anything, but still unfortunate. But yeah, you can't, I, honestly, I don't blame him that much either. I mean, I love how Ted Uncle decided that he was going to take control of the game in the 90th minute. <laughs> now is when I'm going to make sure everyone behaves. Like, all right. oh, Ted, what do you think of Ted? I, I think he's fine. I think he's not near. I mean, everyone hates refs and they gravitate towards refs who have slighted their team Mm -hmm. and a lot of times it will be in my opinion like if you were the other team you don't really care that much right so you remember certain refs i think ted uncle is okay he's an okay ref he's not great i think he sometimes makes very confusing decisions i also think he tends to make um kind of like clear makeup calls where you're like okay you're mm-hmm. definitely calling this because you're sorry you called this other thing yeah but whatever you know i i don't think in my opinion there's almost never at least in major league soccer um there's almost never been a situation where a ref fully and completely took control of a game yes a red card early you know 25 minutes in that is different but i don't think he's wrong in that call i think you can't go for a ball that a goalkeeper has and kick him in the head and just be like, all right, well, it's a yellow. Yeah. It's not a warning. Yeah. So I think I tend to like refs who are really bad. I tend to think of as bad. And as long as you're not like really bad, I'm usually like, okay, I think of them as like good. Like I've never had a problem with Ted uncle. Um, there's another guy who kind of looks like Ted uncle, like another like older kind of like balding white guy. Uh, and, um, there's one other guy who I was like, okay, good. This guy's, this guy's solid. Um, I saw a lot of people like, well, oh, classic Ted Uncle. And I was like, I don't know that I've ever felt that way about him. Um, but whatever. Something we didn't ha- talk about necessarily, which I think happened before this game, was Adrian Unu officially gone. Yeah, I actually wrote that on my notes because... Because he wasn't in the lineup for the Miami game, but he was still on the team. And I think then he was traded and then obviously was not... There was one game where he was still technically on the team, but not in the lineup. And I think that was Miami. I think that was Miami. Um, Thoughts? I mean, how much time do we have? Well, we've got all the time we want to, man. I think it's... Uh, I'm editing this one, right? Yep. All right, so I'm not going to swear. <laughs> I, think, I think that it's BS. I think it, it... So whoever was in charge of deciding to sign Adrian Anu signed him trying to make him a pure number nine striker, which he was clearly somewhat uncomfortable doing and so we gave up on him right it's ridiculous it's ridiculous to sign a player to a new league especially the that like we have all kind of acknowledged mls sometimes takes a year or a season to get acclimated to so he comes in his first year his quote unquote bad year he scores seven goals that's not that bad is it $5 million DP good? No, but you give a guy a moment to, to get acclimated. Chicharito scored zero goals his first year for LA Galaxy. Zero. And, like, how much did he cost? $10 million? Some, or, More than some, he knew. I don't know. Some, yeah. Or was he a free agent? I'm actually... Uh, it was expensive. I don't know. They're paying yeah. him a lot of money. Either way, they're paying him a lot of money. Salaries, especially. So you get this guy, he scores seven goals. Seven goals was more than all of our strikers scored combined in 2020. Okay, so like, he's better than Fernando Adi, he's better than Aaron Schoenfeld, he's better than 
all these different guys, he's had more success, right? Kaikamara. And then once we give him half of a season to get acclimated, and this half a season is without Reynoso for a number of, number of games. It's without Robin Lude for a number of games. It's without Franco Fragapani for a number of games. So all these different things not helping him. And then we get all these guys back. We get an offseason under his belt. And immediately Adrian Heath goes, he's not my guy. I think that is BS. Mm-hmm. I'm trying hard not to swear because I don't want to have to go back and edit these things out. But yeah. like, I think that's a huge miss by Heath. I think that in my personal opinion, and I we had posted the, the poll asking if Adrian Unu would have started all of the games this year, how many goals would he have had? That was 16 games in, I believe. I think he has six goals. I think he has five, six goals, which would have been, you know, at this point in time, tied with Lude for second, and that's fine. And he gets maybe six more goals, and you end the season with 12 or something. It's not perfect, but I also think, like, I just, I don't know. I, I think we mismanaged that terribly. I think Adrian Heath had a good player that he just refused to give him any benefit of the doubt. And he got what, like this year, a total of 126 MLS minutes. Like that's mm-hmm. ridiculous, dude. This guy immediately got signed by a Ligue team over in France right away. Like that's how you know he's not bad. Like, anyone who says Unu is bad, you're just wrong. I'm going to go ahead and say that. I think Heath messed up on this one. That's yeah. how I feel. No, it totally is. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know, inexcusable. It's ridiculous. It's bullshit, whatever you want to say. Uh, you're editing that one, so I can say that. Um, oh, dang it. Because, <laughs> yes, it, it, the only thing that I know for sure is that it's not Adriana Unu's fault. It's either... You know Heath and the staffing fault for bringing in a guy who didn't fit the system you wanted to play. Apparently, we looked at him for years. I mean, uh, Jerome Tiaison know who he was because even when he was playing, we were already talking about Onu. So you've been looking at this guy for years, and at no point you weren't like, well, wait a minute, he likes to play in a two-striker system. We're playing in a one-striker system. Should we not bring him in? So it's either your fault for not thinking that through, or it's your fault for not or just deciding that he's not good enough because. Adrian Nunu did everything that you asked of him in the in the limited time, or I guess maybe not limited time, but in the time he had his first year here with a skeleton crew, he still scored seven goals, which I do not I think is underappreciated how how uh, impressive that was. And then this year, you just never even gave him a shot, like never gave him a chance to do anything productive. So my only regret really is that. I wanted to see Heath gone and someone else come in and take Unu and show that he's a good player. But once it was clear that Heath wasn't going anywhere, I guess I'm just as happy for Unu to go because he should be somewhere getting playing time and enjoying the game. And it was clear that Heath was never going to do that for him here. And I don't know, maybe maybe the reason that he did go to a league, a league Un team is because Heath said, this guy is great. He's just a square peg in a round hole for this team. So like, that's on me. I'm sorry, Adrian. I shouldn't have brought you here. You know, Adrian Anu has been a huge, a huge, you know, professional. He's never come out saying this is, you know, BS or I shouldn't be here. I can't wait to get up here. So maybe that's what happened. Maybe Heath told, you know, the league un clubs, like, this guy's great. If you need a two-striker system, he's your guy. I'm paying him too much and he doesn't really fit my system. I would love 
you know, we both agree this isn't the right place for him. But anything other than that, I think, is just ridiculous. And I was really hopeful we could see him under a different coach in the, in MLS so he could get a chance to prove that. Yeah, I think there's potentially a situation where maybe he was a bit homesick. You know, I, I heard a few people kind of indicate that, and they're assuming a little bit, but just basically that he maybe wanted to go home and that, you know, he felt very disconnected from everybody. Um, we had said, I don't know if it was on a podcast officially or just when we were chatting, but we had asked, like, you know, you see some of the players, like, hanging out with each other. It was like, who does Unu hang out with? You know, who's his buddies? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if it's not a fit, it's not a fit. I get that. But, like, like we're both saying, I, I think he, he didn't get a fair whack at it. He also was absolutely incredibly professional about the whole thing. Took blame largely for it last year where he said, I'm not playing as good as I should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's even after seven goals. And it's like, yeah, okay, so this dude, he's trying his best. He's working hard. It's not working out. I hope he's really happy at uh, his new team in France. And, mm-hmm. and I'll be a fan keeping an eye on him. And if he scores a couple of goals this year, I'm absolutely going to be obnoxious about it. You yeah. better believe I am. So Yeah, well, I think that's the situation, too, where you just wish the club would just talk to you more, you know? Like, just say, like, listen, he, he, he yeah, I mean, he was, he was, he came from his boyhood club. Like, he came up, if not coming up through the system, like, at least started his career there. So, he like, he hasn't really bounced around, you know, the league or the country or the world. So, I'm sure this is a very different experience for him. So, yeah, maybe he just didn't want to be here, and he didn't fit the system, and, like, both parties agree it just wasn't working and like everyone's happy to just move on. But I just don't I just I don't think there's any harm in just telling us that if that's the case, right? So I don't get I don't get why that happened that way. But it did I think it'll be something we'll always talk about and wonder, you know, um, going forward. And then I think the other piece of that is, you know, the the Amaria impact, right? Like we know that Heath loved Amaria. Amaria really wanted to be here. That may have not been necessarily something that they saw coming when they did the new deal. And now that now that it's done, you have someone who is producing just as well, if not better, on what is going to be a TAM-level deal and fits your system a little better. Why keep a DP around? Um, but then that goes back to my first point of like, well, then that's still your fault because why did you bring him in the first place? Exactly. Anyways. I think, and this is not to say... We're, I'm Amari a fan. You're an Amari a fan. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think that he will come into his own quite well. I think we mentioned something in our DMs together earlier that I think too many times Amari was playing with his back to goal, when in reality his best striking scenario is playing off of a defender, running onto a forward pass, and getting a shot off. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, you know, game against Real Salt Lake, he gets a goal in that exact scenario. Um, I, my biggest criticism with Heath is that he's had so many different types of strikers, and I, I don't feel like on almost any of the strikers, he's really used them in their best preferred scenario. Mm-hmm. We've had, like we were just talking about earlier today, Ramon Abila where he's definitely a back-to-goal type guy, you know, big, heavy, hold-up striker, and yet we didn't quite play him like that. We wanted to make him press. And then now we've got Luis Amaria or, or Adrian Onu, who's probably better chasing balls through 
defenders, and he's asking them to be a single nine, playing back to goal, hold up. Like, it just, none of it really has made a lot of sense to me. Um, and I, I don't understand, you know, where the logic is coming in on this one. Mm-hmm. Well, and now they're saying, I mean, the rumor is that we're looking at another striker this window. So now we're back to having, and maybe this one, maybe this one won't be as expensive. Maybe we'll do a, a DP slot somewhere else and we'll bring in another TAM or, or lower level DP where mm-hmm. it makes more sense if Amory is still starting. But it just, it, Heath's failure to find a striker that works continues. And I refuse to blame anything else at this point because if you really have got it wrong this many times, then that's still your fault. Like, you either need to pick someone and make it work and do a better job of coaching them, or you need to do a better job of picking people. But it's not the player's fault that you keep that they keep failing at this point. Um, but yeah, getting into the Salt Lake game. So that's on Sunday at home um, against a good Salt Lake team. Surprisingly, everyone kind of saw them as being down and out with ownership and all this stuff. But they've been rolling despite not having a lot of the really good players play as well. Um, ninth minute. Another Reynoso goal to start the game. Left-footed. This one not quite as pretty, but still some nice movement in the box. And again, it's clear that he is rolling and the confidence is is improving. Um, going into the end of the first half, there is really nice build-up play here. And another great move and great vision from Amaria that I was actually kind of sad it didn't get to end in a goal because I really liked his movement and his play there. It ends up being a penalty kick given that was, I don't know. It was like, Reynoso like kicked it out of bounds and then the guy tackled him. Like he was not getting there. How did you feel about that penalty kick if you remember it vividly? We're talking Reynoso's, right? I think it was on Reynoso, right? Yeah. um, You know... That's one where if I'm being objective, I would be fine with it either way. Yeah. I think he definitely kicked the ball pretty far in right. order to make sure that there was nothing but him in between, you know, the defender and the goal. So, like, yeah, he he kind of um, dressed that one up a little bit. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, by the letter of the law, the defender went, slid in, didn't get any ball, and got all player. And so... You can make the argument, well, Ray would have never gotten to the ball that he kicked at all. He wouldn't have. Right. You can also make the argument, defender went to ground when he could have stayed on his feet and not slide-tackled Ray, and Ray would have never got the ball. It would have been a goal kick. So, like, you can kind of go both ways. If that wouldn't have been a PK, I I would not have been upset. Yeah. And that's not necessarily something that we I, I feel like I see taken into account super often either, right? It's not like football where there's like, oh, that was like an uncatchable ball, pass interference, whatever. Like, I think you see that a lot where a ball is clearly not something that that player would have played. But if there's like, if you if you still tackle someone inside the box when they're technically like on the ball or in possession still, using quotes there, like that's still a penalty. So... I guess it didn't seem absurd to me, but I, I was expecting it to be called back. Um, Ray actually misses the penalty kick. was not a great penalty, uh, <laughs> but is able to put it home. Yeah, thank goodness. Yeah. Um, all right, that, that Luis Amaria goal in the 61st minute, it's a great through ball by Ray, but mostly the thing that, and you kind of touched on this, like previously I had been talking with you and David, I think, about like, 
when we're coming down, or I said on the podcast, like when we're coming down the field, I feel like we're all just like jogging, like looking back at Ray, like you want me to go here, you want me to go here, and like I think I shared a clip of like the uh, the LAFC goal where like as soon as Vela got on the ball, um, Orango or whoever it was was like just like started sprinting at the back line and. Rella ended up finding him and he was through on a goal. And like I said, like, I think I just want more of that from Amaria. It maybe it's not even every time, just like at a certain point in the games, just run at the back line. Ray is a tremendous player. If the opportunity is there, he'll find you. And if it's not, you're not doing much good just like jogging in place, like trying to like open up for him. So just go. And I think this was a situation where he did that. Ray had the ball in not necessarily what was like an obviously dangerous position. And Amaria just like started running at space towards the back line and ended up with a perfect through ball. I mean, it was a perfect through ball from Ray, but that's what I'm saying. Ray will do that. And Amaria finished it. It it looked like cheeky at first, and then watching it in slow motion, I actually was kind of like it looked very like it very clear easily could have been screwed up, but um it went in. And that I would love to see much more of that from Amaria. They don't ask how, they ask how many. Yeah. There you know? You go. So like I think two things are important out of that specific goal. Number one, I think Amaria, and I know he scored in the previous game as well, right? Yeah, he scored. He scored in Miami. Oh, Miami, that's what it was. Yep. So like two games ago, um, I think he needs that boost. You know, I think scoring is very much a mental game, so that's great. And then I think building that chemistry of like, if it works, do it again. So Mm -hmm. if trying to have Amaria like holding up play isn't working. Oh, but him running, you know, in between defenders is working. Then I think Reynoso and him are going to start to build that chemistry right there. And then from there, when more attention gets paid to, you know, an Amaria that opens up space for a Lude or a Fragapane. And that's the kind of stuff that we really want to see. So yeah, love seeing that. Now, Alex, we get to talk about what happened after the 60th minute. Do we have to, or like we could just? We don't on. have to, but I think it's a, it's a trend, right? Yeah. Many people have pointed out on Reddit. Um, there's currently a graph of the goal differential by minute of the game, so essentially saying, do we score more goals versus goals against us in you know each minute of the game, basically. And so the stats are as follows. In the first half, we have a plus six goal differential. In the second half, we have a minus six goal differential. And in the 90 plus minute, we have a negative five goal differential. Alex, are you concerned? Are you relaxed? Are you confused? Do you want me to walk through it again? How do you feel? I mean, I'm very conf- I'm very concerned, right? I think you need to, you know, the injuries need to be taken into account there. Like, y- your your people off the bench end up being not as good as, you know, otherwise they uh, the pieces you would like them to be. You know, instead of whatever, Dotson coming off the bench because for Ariaga or something, you know, that's a bad example. But, uh, you know, we've, we've taken some hits in our depth, um, which doesn't help. But also, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't love the extent to which we bunker in in some of these games. I'm not saying you necessarily should just keep going, you know, especially on the road and stuff. Like, you don't just keep hammering and hammering and hammering and try to, like, score. Like, soccer, like, an agreed-upon soccer strategy is, like, on the road, up by a goal or two, like, 
start to to kind of dial it back and get in your own half and and just shut it down. But we're not that good at this, and a lot of times the move the people we put in to do that end up being directly responsible for the mistake that have that leads to a goal. Um, and it's not something that good teams do. Like you can't you can't win consistently when that's the case. So whatever is happening, we need to like fix that. You know, this is another game where Abudinati came in in the 16th minute, not saying it's directly his fault, but you know, they scored their next two, you know, they scored two goals in the next basically five minutes after he came in. And we know he came in from Franco Fragapane, who I think doesn't get enough appreciation for his defensive work. So, you know, call that what you will. Then we put in, you know, after they've scored their two goals, we put in O'Neill Fisher and Ja'Cory Hayes, which I don't know why Ja'Cory Hayes isn't getting more more love um, or, you know, why you would put... Yeah, you know, it's just, it's just interesting. But what do you think of it? Um, well, I was just going back and going back to the New England Revolution game. Uh, two goals by the Revolution against us starting in the second half. Okay, and then we go to the Miami game. Two goals against us, both in the second half. Then we go to the LA Galaxy game. Two goals against us, both in the second half. Then we go to the Salt Lake game. Two goals against us, both in the second half. I, the numbers are there, man. I don't know. You can blame on a lot of things, injuries, um, certain tactical choices, but like we are getting whooped in the second half. I mean, really, really just killed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a variety of reasons. I think Heath has bunkered too many times. I think Heath has also trusted Abu Dinladi a little too much and also not used him to what his real potential is, which is send him long balls, put it in the corner. Let Abu run onto the ball. He can figure it out. And worst case scenario, he loses the ball way up in their corner on their final third instead of in the middle of the field doing who knows what. That's how I feel about it. I, I think it, it has not been a great adjustment by Heath. Um, and you've got talent on the bench. I still think people need to realize our bench depth isn't bad. We're just starting our bench for quite a few games. You know, we've got quite a few replacement guys in. Metnir has been out all year. Like, people forget that one of our most impactful players has been injured all year. You know, that's all I got. That's yeah. that's the abbreviated rant. So, we win that game still. That's two wins in a row against good teams. You know, the Galaxy are in fourth and Salt Lake are in third. So, good teams. Um, we are sitting in eighth place. Two points out of seventh place, Seattle, in a playoff spot. And now we go and play Vancouver, Sporting Kansas City, D.C., and Houston, all of whom are below us. Almost all the teams that are below us. We've been ragging on Heath, right? I think that that's well documented at this point. But he's here, right? Signed the contract through next year or whatever it is, two more years. You and I are not ones that are just going to continue this, right? So what's what's going to happen or what would have to happen for you to finally be like, all right, it wasn't my choice. He's either proven me wrong or he's fixed some of the things that he was doing wrong or he's done. 
are you uh, are we ever going to get to a point where we're like all right i'm okay with this or are we just hoping for the best of a bad situation at this point are you saying this is heath this, this is being friendly. heath yeah um I mean, I would support Heath if he had a radical change in his tactics and the way that he coaches, which I mean, people don't do in mm-hmm. in their 50s, 60s, however old he is. I think he's 60, something like that. Um, but no, yeah, I think we have to make the best of what is inevitable, which is he's been extended. I don't really know what the purpose of his one-year contract extension was if that wasn't a prove-it extension because reports have come out that um, he was extended at the beginning of this year. So what was the point of that? I I don't really get it. Mm -hmm. Um, He joins a group of coaches who are elite in in terms of um, tenure. So it's what, Brian Schmetzer and then... Jim Curtin. Jim Curtin. And... Sh- I think it's just them. I think I thought yeah, he might be three. the third of three. I thought so, he yeah. was, there's three other ones, but both coaches who have won silverware, silverware. I said that weird um, within their their time with their teams, and so Peter Vermees not Peter Vermees. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's like you, and I believe Peter Vermees as well. Right? Oh he's, yeah, he's also yeah. So you're looking at that like okay, so he doesn't match up. Are we afraid of what happens if we break up? Maybe, but like that, you got to be a little more ambitious. And I think many fans piled on Heath right away. You and I were stoutly Heath in because it's like you got to give the guy a chance, right? The yep. lineup is bad. Uh, there's you know a lot of different circumstances that explain why we haven't been getting good results. And then now he's had six full years, and. He's still kind of at the same spot he was in 2019, which you got to at least show me some forward progress. Right. Right. We we had to have won a U.S. Open Cup or really make a, a deep dive. And yes, I get that we were in the Western Conference final. But to me, for Heath, the bar should have been the MLS Cup final. We should have been at least at the MLS Cup. And again, they don't give you a trophy for being at the MLS Cup. You still have to win it. Mm-hmm. But I just, I'm I'm biding my time at this point. I love this team and I will continue to watch. Um, although if you're listening, Minnesota United uh, front office, I will pirate it if I have to. Actually, I'm very thankful that the, that Apple TV or whatever is going to make things a lot easier. No blackouts makes my life a lot easier. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm assuming you're in a similar boat because we talk about this all day, every day. But go ahead and tell me if anything's developed recently. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't want to be the guy who's just like, well, everything's terrible for the next two years. And, like, even if we start playing well, I'm just like, nope, I already said it's terrible and I will not see it any other way. Um and, you know, the, the reason that Heath's deal was delayed because, like, he didn't want to delay it or he didn't want to announce it until he got his coaching staff signed on as well. Like, you hear these little things where, like, it, he sounds like a nice guy. You know, I've, I've met him. He is a nice guy. I have I have nothing against him. Like, I would love to be wrong about Heath. I, I would love for him or someone to come out and be like, you know why Unu didn't play? Because he didn't want to be here and his head was totally out of it. You know, you know why we're not 
doing better at the end of the game because so-and-so has their head up their ass and like they won't do what I tell them to do and they're laying the whole team down. You know why? This is like, have all these things that we've been putting on Heath be proved that like, that's not what's going on. You know, we, we know about the Darwin Quintero thing, right? We know why he didn't play in the cup, in the Open Cup final and it's a story that a lot of people miss and they think, oh, well, Heath is just being a jerk. So maybe there's a lot of those stories out there that we're just not privy to. Maybe Raheem Edwards was just a jerk and was like mouthing off in practice and wouldn't do sprints at the end. Who knows? We don't know. It's with every year and with every failed whatever, that feels less and less likely. But it just, I just think that like, I still hope that that's the case. And I don't know if success, just just winning games will ever get me there in terms of like, okay, because we've been worse than this before and I did not fear nearly as negative about the team as I do right now. It's not even necessarily about like the results. It's just about like, this just doesn't feel to be going like it's going anywhere. And even when we win games, it's still just like, that was not good. And it's the hope that kills you. Man. I, I didn't feel that way even when we were at our worst. And I guess, sure, that was like early MLS, like everything is new and shiny and exciting. But I still think it just at least felt like, okay, we're going to get this guy and that's really going to help because we know this guy wasn't great or like we were kind of missing this piece. or And now it's just like we've, we've been doing that. We've been getting pieces. This guy comes in and you don't play him and then you trade him and he does great. So what's the plan? So I really want to be pro Heath, I want him to prove me wrong, and I want to get to a place where I'm truly just excited about this team, even with Heath in the future, but I honestly don't know what formula will make me feel that way. So, we'll see. I don't know. I hope so. You know, I, I, I'm always hopeful to be proven wrong when it comes to Heath, uh, because I th- he's great, and I think that if he if he figured it out, I think he could be great. Um, actually, real quick, you mentioned the uh, Apple the Apple contract real quick. I don't think we've talked about that. How do you feel about it? Apple, so, 10, 10 years, I think, was the deal. And no blackouts. If you're a season ticket holder, you get the thing. Some Whatever, yeah, yeah. We don't need to get to that. I'm just more worried about your personal opinion. Oh, Alex, thank you, yeah. man. Well, you know, that's all we hear, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, hey, so I think my opinion on it, I don't know why I said hey. I regret saying that. It felt <laughs> weird, but I'm not going to edit it out because that's life, right? A lot of people have been complaining like, oh, what about the casual viewer? What about the casual viewer? I think the thing with MLS is that there's not a ton of casual viewers. If you're a soccer fan, either you like MLS or you go full Premier League, right? Um, Some would say Euro snob. I don't say that. I just say you're a douche. But no, I'm just kidding. I I like Premier League. I love Premier League. (laughs) But I'm just saying, you know, watch a little MLS every now and then. It's fun, right? It's not that bad. Um... But, like, people who aren't soccer fans aren't just stumbling across, like, San Jose versus Cincinnati and being like, I might as well watch this. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not how it's been going. It, 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 and I don't think that's the main target audience. So I think for the people who like MLS, it makes a ton of sense. There's no blackouts. You get all the games. I already have Apple TV, so whether or not it's an additional fee, whatever, right? I'm paying five bucks a month or whatever for ESPN Plus. Um, I'm all about it. I think it's great. Hopefully, and I'm going to be assuming here, but if this is, at the moment, Apple 
Apple TV's only uh, live sports league contract, Apple's going to invest in it a little bit. And ESPN has largely kind of, I would say, disrespected MLS. I mean, they post a lot of like, oh my gosh, can you believe this goal? And it's like the clown car show of the goalie like dropping the ball and kicking it into his own goal. And like, oh, MLS, that sucks. Like, it, we don't need that. There's been almost no uh, pregame show for big games, especially in, the, like, the playoffs. There's um, very little advertisement in general for ESPN. So it sounds like some games will still be broadcasted on ESPN, which is good for the casual viewer. Maybe we bring in a couple. But I think that Apple TV, or at least I hope Apple TV, will invest Um in this league, and I think with some good investment, you know, you're going to see returns of of fans really, you know, buying in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think my only downsides are I wish it was not ten years. That's a lot. A lot can happen in ten years, and I'm not thrilled about. It sounds like they're getting rid of the local broadcasts for a more centralized, you know, centralized team. Um, those two things kind of bum me out. And I do, I wish it wasn't a separate package within Apple. I wish it was just on Apple. But other than that, I think I feel very positive about the whole thing. And I think that you hit on a lot of the things that I feel. I think, I think people compare MLS to NFL and they think like, we need to be growing to where everyone is tuning in nationally to watch these games. And we're either very far from there, or I would question if that's ever actually where we're going to get. You know, no one watches regional basketball. Maybe basketball is, is, is one of the better sports, but no one watches regional ba- baseball games. If you're not, you know, if you're not in the area, you're likely not watching it. Same thing I think is true for hockey. I think that there are there are people who get excited for like the ESPN game and sit down and watch. I don't know. I'm trying to think of two game two teams that don't have like a star player on them, and I can't because there we go. Um, I don't think that happens very often. So I think, first off, that isn't a, a reality. And then secondly, yes, no one is tuning in. That's not how we're going to grow the sport. You know, when you go to bars, they're not just... If the game is on, they change it. Like, And no one is just sitting down like, oh, cool, I will watch Cincinnati and, you know, Philadelphia play. It, it doesn't happen very often. I think it happens more often in some geographical locations and amongst, obviously, some groups than it does in others. But, like, that's not really the future. What the future is is getting people like you, Grant, and people like my brother and people like me. And not, I think I'm maybe probably – I will make a point to sit and watch all the games. But taking people who are already fans of the sport and giving them access to all of the games in one spot without looking for it and having them go from liking their local team and watching a few games here and there, and then mostly you know English leagues, to really following the league and learning to appreciate more of the teams and growing the sport that way. I think I really that's the part that people are missing. I thought you were about to do a bit of like, you know, getting fans like you, Grant, who uh, are obnoxious about talking about the the league that you like so much. Get all the get all the talkers going but no you would agree that you don't watch a whole lot of other mls games right now yeah i i will catch i'm a very casual mls fan so if if something is on here's my exact formula for watching other mls games if hannah is working a shift at the hospital 
I'm bored, I'm not doing anything, and there's an MLS game on, I'll toss it on, absolutely, and I'll kind of half watch it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't watch super intently other leagues or other teams, but I, I kind of want to. I know originally I was supposed to be watching Inter-Miami, but, you know, right. that was that was its own thing. Um, I think this definitely opens it up that, you know, I may consider watching a bit more because it's all in one place it's nice and convenient just toss it on pow you know even the games that are on like it sounds like even the games that are on you know cross whatever promotions like they'll be on fox they'll be on espn they'll be on telemundo those will still be in the apple app the way i understand it or at least that's the hope i think they probably have to work on some of those contracts i know they don't really want to lose their business whatever but I think that that'll really help grow. Maybe not even you. Maybe more people like yeah, like my brother. He's he goes to like four Portland Timbers game a year. He's frustrated that he can't just figure out how to watch the Timbers on TV because of local blackouts. And if he just had a place he always knew he could go watch them, maybe then after that game's over, he does end up going and watching the next game that's on. Whereas even though in the ESPN app, theoretically they are still all there right now, or at least most of them are there. It's just not something that people are in the mindset of doing because that's not what they go to watch their local team. So in this situation, they're used to going to the Apple app to watch the local team. They'll start to hopefully bleed into other other games as well. Um, and you still do get the, the nationwide games. It sounds like they are still going to do the ESPN, the Fox. So again, I think all around it's great. Uh, it's The 10 years seems like a lot, and I'm going to miss local broadcast if that ed does end up being what gets cut. Yeah, well, speaking of contracts... Speaking of contracts. Uh, allegedly, the Loons have offered a contract to a Mr. Alan Benitez, a right back, um, from, well, I know he's Paraguayan. Mm -hmm. I don't know what his current team is, Alex. I think it's the, I think it's a team in the par, in the Paraguayan top division. Yeah, say that country one more time. What's that Paraguayan country? top division. Pa I don't know. I, you know what, whatever. We, in the Paraguayan. all wrong, right? He's Paraguayan. Paraguayan so, top division. I tweeted this recently, but actually, I'm interested to see how he and Amaria played together. They've had, from my brief amount of research, I think two national team games together. Um, they they both have four caps for Paraguay. Uh, he plays right back, right mid, right wing. Um, so it seems like he could be a very forward-moving right back, which sounds like... That's the end of the Metonier era mm -hmm. in Minnesota, which I am accepting of, but, I mean, it sucks, man. Metonier yeah. is honestly far and away one of my favorite players of the Loons. Uh, my position when I played soccer was right mid, right back, and so I, it's, it's a bummer. I, mm -hmm. I loved watching Metonier. He was a, a ton of fun to watch, but it sounds like, you know, this is the next step. I also think it's well. I mean, even without this step, right? Like, that's it, right? He tore a Wait. different knee or a different ACL. He's already yeah. like thirty-four, what a thirty-two, whatever it is. Like, I think even before this move, that's kind of like, all right, that's that's probably it. Yeah, and then plus, uh, you know, you got DJ Taylor playing well, but like, apparently, it's not good enough to merit consistent time. So. I, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Who knows? This looks... I mean, yeah. It's, obviously, I think that that's a big piece for us. I hope it comes through. It sounds like it's... 
know, at, at this point, the people are talking about it who don't usually talk about it if it doesn't happen. And I don't know anything about him. I don't know anything about the Paraguayan top division. Uh, but, you know, he looks good. He looks big. He looks fast. So let's do it. Yeah, I heard, um, I was searching around a bit, and it sounds like he is in Minnesota right now. Oh, okay. As we speak. Yeah, Good. like he is, he's signing the contract. Because I think the transfer window opens tomorrow, which mm-hmm. every time I think I understand the transfer window less. Like, I thought you could only make moves during the transfer window, but then people are just signing people at random. So I don't understand the transfer window. I know someone will probably reply to me and explain the transfer window, and I'll learn it for like the next three months, and then I'll forget about it again. Yeah, just going um, based off of, so, you know, our perennial shout out to Blake uh, Siam007 on Twitter, who has a Y Scout account and frequently shares it with us, which love that, right? Thank you, Blake. Appreciate that. But Blake sent us over the um, Google Doc analysis for Y Scout of Alan Benitez. Um, and at least in his league, he is top 10 in successful offensive duels, um, which would indicate to me that this guy you know, brings the ball forward quite often. He's also top 10. He's number six in the league for uh, dribbles and top three for passes and completed pass accuracy. So uh, he's number 11th for crosses. I mean, we're seeing a guy who you can take it with a grain of salt. I know Paraguay, maybe the league is, who knows, right, what to expect out of that league. But we're seeing, you know, he's number two for progressive runs in the league. Um, long story short, he is up there in regards to a right back for somebody who's going to move the ball forward. He's going to make some good passes. He's going to be both defensively minded and offensively minded. Um which is exactly what Metonier was for us. Mm-hmm. And so with him and Kamar Lawrence, you know, I, I think that's a, a really nice pairing. So I'm, I'm, I'm pumped to see what he can bring. It sounds like he's 28, so good age. Uh, very young, very young. I'm All of his best years still ahead of him, yeah. All of his best years still ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Not feeling the impending, you know, march of death coming. Anyways, so uh, the other rumor, Alex, that Alex didn't like that last joke because he is already 30. So. No, I'm already 31, dude. You are? Gosh, yeah. you look so young. You look yeah. 30. Yep, I wouldn't guess that. a day over 30. Yep. Uh, there's Andres Romero, um, who is a central midfielder who can also play some winger um, or attacking midfielder. We are scouting him out, and I believe he is... 20 or 21, so he might be in the uh, under 22 DP slot option. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we've got. I understand that one a little bit less. Like I guess because he's like you have to fill those U22 slots, whatever they are. Um, so maybe he's like a future. I don't know, a future Reynoso, a future Robin Lude. I don't know. That one, that one doesn't necessarily stand out to me as much. I don't I really understand why that would be where we'd go, well, especially when our, our, our center backs are aging so rapidly. Well, I guess they're aging at a normal pace. They're just already old. I mean, I think, yeah, I, I think that becomes a big thing that we really need to see the team um, address quickly 
is, you know, so we re-signed Debassi, which is great. I think Debassi is very good. Mm -hmm. And I think in this league, if you find the right center backs, they can play to an older age. So Debassi, I mean, he doesn't look slow. He doesn't look like he's a step out of line. So that's fine by me. But I think we definitely need to keep an eye on it because, you know, those things can go from not a problem to a problem very quickly. Yeah, especially when they're all kind of the same age. Like, mm-hmm. so we'll see. I don't yeah, mean. I, I guess keep going there. No, yeah, no. I mean, we'll see if that's that sounds great. At this point, I'll take anyone. Um, who else do you think you want to see us, or what other position do you want to see us pick up in this summer window? Do you think think we move Miller? Think we move? I don't think we move Dan Saint Clair at this point. Unless, yeah, you know. I I think I would be open to a Miller move, and I want to make this clear, Tyler. I know you listen to our podcast frequently. It's not because I don't like <laughs> you. I think you've been a great representative of the club. I think it's because you deserve to start too. We have two right. starting goalkeepers. Both of them are are good, and unfortunately, Dane. Well, unfortunately for Tyler Miller, Dane is younger. And so I think you invest in the younger goalkeeper who is equally as talented, and you ride that out as much as you can. Um, so if if we can entertain some trade offers, that'd be great. And then from there, um, I think we still need a backup true striker. I think but you're saying you're thinking backup. Backup. Okay. I think Amaria can be the guy. I still am am high on Amaria. Um, but I think we could use for a true backup nine. And especially if Amaria gets hurt, we don't want to keep, you know, throwing loot out there. We rarely use Dunlady as an actual striker. So, you know, I don't know. What do you want? What are you looking for, Alex? Yeah, I think unless we have a real plan of selling Dane St. Clair in the very near future, um, which we might, you know, who knows? Um, I think I would like to see Miller go this window because we have gaps that we need to fill. Um, I agree. We need a, we don't have a, a we, we at least need someone who's pushing Amaria for the nine. If we went someone over him, I don't think I would be super upset, um, which I mean, it sounds like we're getting ourselves right back into where we're with Unu. But I think if, if Amaria is a Tam and we have a more low level number you know a, a, low, a more low level dp who's playing 80 percent of the time and then the tam striker comes in the other 20 i don't know that's like a, an absurd setup um but i think maybe a lower level number nine makes sense or someone like more at his level um and i want to see us sure up our defense which it sounds like we are and i would hope that part of that you know maybe we start looking at a, a center back i honestly don't know it's hard for me you know would you spend a DP s- slot on an elite center back? How old? Let's say prime of their career. Okay. Um, I wouldn't necessarily be strongly against it. Um, It'd have to be I, the right person. Right, it has to be the right person. I think that we're seeing a little bit more DP strikers. Still not many, but they're, you know... Uh, sorry, d- uh, defenders. I think that there's there's a couple of them. It's not something that you do a lot of, and I don't think it's needed. 
But if for whatever reason the club really felt strongly that they had the right guy, I wouldn't be super against it just because of some of the pieces we have who aren't DPs but are very good. I would agree with that. Yeah, I think you find the right spots. For context, by the way, Amaria is 26. So he's he's not old. No. You know, he's, he's, he's got plenty of age. So you, you'd want like a young striker underneath him, in my opinion. Yeah. Or a veteran super sub. Right. Which I don't really love that. That hasn't worked in the past. What, you don't think Kai Kamara and Fernando Adi have been big hits for us? Uh, all right. You got anything else? This is already at 90 minutes long. Uh, no, I think we can... Let's go ahead and wrap this bad boy up. You, you've been winning your fantasy games? I think I just won my most recent one, yeah. Mm, nice. And, and I didn't even set my lineup, so... <laughs> Who did I play? Uh, I don't uh, know. I keep what? winning, but I keep beating teams below me in the table and the teams above me keep winning so i haven't moved but this week i play stefan who is in second place so big game big chance for me to climb the table here and you know what are you thinking what how are your odds how are you not looking? probably not very good not great no i think those top three spots they've all only lost once or twice and there is a reason for that so it'll be good to finally test you know test my merit see if i can pull something out but uh, I don't know if I'd put my money on myself. Yeah, let's take a look here. I'm, I'm just pulling it up. Um... You are in 13th place. You've lost six times, which is respectable. Um, I'm in seventh, so just a few spots ahead of you. Um, the table is a lot different this year. You know, we've, we've got a lot more defeats. We've got to be coming up to the end of the season, right? Because there's uh, how many weeks are there? There are, I uh, won't tell me, but we have playoffs in this league, so I'm sure it'll end soon. You know what I like? I, I really like that we don't have a single undefeated team. Last year, I think it was Ari who was just, like, steamrolling everyone. Yes. Ari, I don't know if you took, like, a step back, but continue to do what you're doing right now. Because you're doing great. I mean, 13-3, and three, you're doing great. But, like, you know, it's, it's not fun when no one can beat anyone. So we've got some good, uh, just like MLS. Right? There's no Liverpools, there's no Man Cities, there's um, parity to the league here. And we've got Loon Asylum in first, uh, Robin Lude, Prince of Thieves in second, Lasso Special in third, the name is Ari, that's Ari, in fourth, and then fifth, the Michigan Loon. Um, so good for you. I'm not going to 10 because then I'd have to say Alex's name in there, and I'm just, I'm not going to give him that shout out at, at seventh. So. And we've got nine weeks left, so I guess there's still some a good chunk of time to make up your ground. Plenty of time for some upsets. Plenty of time. If you haven't been setting your lineup, start setting your lineup. Yeah. And if you have been and you're losing, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> All right. Wrap this thing? Yeah, let's wrap it. Well, if you're still here, thanks for listening. Uh, this weekend, we play Friday night, so that's exciting. Uh, it's rivalry week, but we play uh, the heated rivals of Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, not super much, but hopefully that's a game we win and continue to, to climb the table. Yeah, I think, um, you know, let's keep the the goals rolling and let's plug whatever weird gaps we have apparently in the second half defense. <laughs> so 
Who knows? Who knows? All but right. as always, Alex. Go Loons. Go. No, I'm going to oh. say it. You say okay, it. Okay, you go, go and then I'll go. Okay. Okay. Go. As always. As. Go. Alex. As go. Go Loons. Go Loons. Go Loons. Right. Nailed it. <laughs>